What's up, y'all? I got a dance deal for you, Chicago. Hubbard Street Dance heats up the Harris Theater stage with its spring series of joy next week. Now, this is some of the most dynamic, cutting-edge contemporary dance made by the world's leading choreographers right here in Chicago. I'm excited for Echoes of Our Ancestors by Maria Torres, among other creators. But you can only catch it for three performances between May 17th and May 19th. Luckily, CityCast Chicago listeners can get tickets in any section for 20% off using code CityCast online or over the phone. Visit HubbardStreetDance.com for details and use code CityCast. Today on CityCast Chicago, some educators in Illinois are increasingly challenging the way reading is traditionally taught. They say a more evidence-based approach will get more kids reading at grade level. With the pandemic, parents and teachers say this change is more urgent than ever. Cassie Walker-Burke recently reported on this for WBEZ, and she's here to tell us more. It's Wednesday, January 11th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. Cassie, welcome to CityCast Chicago. Thanks for having me. Now, before we get into the scientific terminology, the methods, the pedagogy, can you tell me, do you remember how you learned to read? I do remember how I learned to read. My mother was a reading specialist. Okay. And so even before I was an education reporter. You already had a leg up. (laughs) Well, I did. But, you know, what's really interesting is that these conversations with my mom, I've sort of realized over time that – Um, When my mom was really teaching, and she was a teacher for decades, Mm. um, that even this sort of science and this sort of discussion wasn't happening. It it wasn't making it to the level of the classroom. And so it's really fascinating to think about over the decades. We've actually been having this conversation in this country about how to read for 200 years. There have been debates about Uh how to best teach children how to read. And if you think about what we know about science and brain science, that's really only in the past few decades that we've even had the technology to be able to study. Like, what does the brain do? But when we think about what kids are traditionally getting inside of a classroom in Illinois, historically, how has reading been taught? It's a really interesting question. And I have to say, we don't honestly know. Mm -hmm. And the reason I say that is because Illinois is one of the states that doesn't keep a centralized curriculum list. So if you wanted to know, for example, how does the third largest district in the state teach reading, there's actually no centralized list that would tell you that. And that's actually something we're seeing in some other states is that just collecting the information, just finding out what curriculums are being purchased and used in classrooms is actually really an important first step. But when I tried to... um, make a request for that information, it was denied on the basis that it's not collected. So the methods that teachers are using currently are really all over the place. But we do see that many big school districts in Illinois and outside of Illinois use popular American curriculums that do not align with the science of reading. A lot of them fall under this pretty broad umbrella that is called balanced literacy. And what that is, is essentially it's some phonics, And so kids may be coming home doing some phonics, but it gets abandoned and it gets abandoned pretty quickly. And what it does, what balanced literacy does prioritize are things we would all agree with that are important, right? Like loving reading, having children select books that they're interested in, bright pictures, repetitive sorts of things that make them feel like they're learning. And those things are important. But what we have found is that some of these curricula, they do not continue along this path of evidence-based instruction. And so what happens is kids start 
but they don't continue when words get harder and they're not learning how to actually sound something out. And so as they get older, they struggle. And you start to see that in the state's third grade reading scores. For a decade, we haven't made any progress in Illinois with the percentage of children who read on a grade level in Illinois. It's still one in three. And that was before the pandemic. Oh, wow. I mean, can you just set those numbers for us, the scope of, you know, why we're having this conversation right now? Because, again, you know, you, you say we've been having it for 200 years. You know, your mom for, for generations. We remember going through this. Why is this conversation happening right now? I love that question. And I think there's a few different reasons. I think. For starters, the pandemic really magnified learning loss. And so we're all having these conversations about what's happening in the classroom. But these trends with reading were happening even before the pandemic. And so I think that's one thing. But we did see with the pandemic, the districts got a lot of money. They got a lot of federal COVID relief money. And some of them have used them to buy new curricula. And so you're starting to see some of these changes because districts can actually afford it. But I think the other thing that's happening that's really interesting is that you're starting to see a lot of parent advocacy on this topic. The science of reading has actually been around for about two decades. There was a congressional panel about this in the year 2000. We are now in 2023. But you see parents really coming together on social media, really starting to challenge um, the common assumptions of how reading is taught and starting to just ask questions of districts. You're also seeing a lot of teacher advocacy on this point. And that's what's interesting in Illinois. You have these groups of teachers who are coming together to study this issue who are saying, we don't want to position this as that everybody's doing something wrong. We want to position this as it's a course correction. Yeah, it it, it feels like at least in the ways you report it, it doesn't have to be an admonishing. You're looking at, you know, 20, 30 year teachers saying you've been doing it wrong forever. It's we've learned, we've evolved, things have, have gotten better. Isn't that what we want? And so when we look at the science and the evidence based approach, uh, what does it tell us about learning to read? How do young people learn best? Young people, and this is what the science shows, is that they learn how to read by starting with a combination of letters and sounds. So we're starting from A to Z, what those things sound like. But what happens is, is you build on that. What the science shows is that you build on that. And as words get more complicated, you learn those sounds. You learn the combinations that they make. You learn essentially the rules. I mean, think about almost like a recipe, like you're cooking. Like as you're building, as you're using more complex ingredients or more complex words, you're learning what those sounds are. You're learning how to sound those out. You're learning actually when words don't apply to the rules mm -hmm. because the English language, we break a lot of so-called rules, right? Oh. But you're learning what, what, what sounds happen. And so what happens is as they get older and they're approaching these words, they're approaching more complicated words, their brain is trained how to sound them out how to make sense of them. And so then the energy of the brain can be used to understand the meaning. That's the comprehension. Yep. And so you may see a child who is making an A in reading in second grade, but are they really understanding what they're reading or is all of their brain power being used to just decode the word? And that's what's actually, I think, really interesting and something I've actually even seen in my own children. Mm -hmm. Why do you think the state hasn't updated its reading instruction? Is it because so many students have so many different needs. Is it because it's cumbersome? Is it simply because, you know, we've just been doing it for so long? Why do you think it's uh, we're at this point? I think Illinois is a state that has a ethos of local control when it comes to curriculum. And so the state sort of approaches it as, as it's each community's decision. And 
I won't weigh in on that, but I, I do think that that's where some of this we see that coming from. We also see that playing out in other curricular debates that we see in the state, say about sexual education, for example. Um, and so that is a that is an Illinois sort of thing. There's been attempts to try to have laws that change this. They haven't passed. There's been pushback. There's been pushback from higher education. Um, one of the one of the things you've seen in other states is that some states have entered through the door of teacher prep. So let's really put some pressure on the teacher prep programs and see if we can maybe have a different certification or a different test. There's been pushback here because of the teacher shortage about making anything more cumbersome for teachers entering the classroom. There's a lot of valid arguments behind that, but I think that's one of the things that we've seen. But I think absent of a wholesale conversation, then maybe that is the place that we're going to see it start happening. You see parent advocacy popping up in some of these different districts. And so I think that's going to push the need for more wholesale conversation about it. I think it's important to think about what is the responsibility of the state and where is the conversation happening even on the legislative level? There was a bill last year um, that was called the Right to Read Bill. That bill did not get passed. There are reasons that bill did not get passed. But are we going to see those efforts resurfaced? Is there going to be more perhaps consensus about what steps we can start to take as a state? Because regardless of where you as an individual sit on the side of the so-called debate, you can't look at the numbers of the state and say that nothing needs to be addressed. One in three kids in third grade reading at grade level before the pandemic. And that, when you break it down, when you start to look at children who are low income, or you start to look at Black children or Latino kids, those numbers look worse. And that shouldn't be acceptable. Are you self-conscious about your smile? Do you only allow yourself a closed mouth grin? Well, with Aligner Experts, there's no reason for you to diminish your smile. As orthodontists, they have the privilege of witnessing the remarkable transformation of patient smiles, which often translates into a profound boost in their confidence. Yet, there always seems to be a deterrent. I ain't got the time, I don't have the funds. Luckily, Aligner Experts is redefining convenient and accessible clear aligner solutions. With customizable treatments, transparent pricing, and their cutting edge 3D scanners and dental monitoring technology, you can transform your smile through the convenience of your own schedule. Stop in at their West Loop or Lakeview Clinic today for your complimentary smile assessment. Aligner Experts, your destination for advanced clear aligner solutions. P.S. They got another clinic on the way, so stay tuned for their Old Town location. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Let's zoom in on that local picture in Chicago. Can you walk us through the city's approach to reading? What is, you know, so-called structured literacy? Chicago is one of the country's largest districts, and it has 
really done something unique and it has built its own curriculum really from scratch. And this started from before the pandemic. And what it did was it has incorporated elements of structured literacy into this curriculum. It is optional for schools to adopt this curriculum. It's called Skyline. And I think what we're seeing now is that the district is saying, we are adopting this approach in the curriculum. We need to do a better job of training our teachers. There's some probably debate on the ground of whether, how well this this curriculum delivers on that. And I can't answer that question. Got it. It hasn't really been evaluated for that. CPS is also saying for schools, we're also offering, if they don't want to adopt Skyline, which is the homegrown curriculum, they're also offering options for another curriculum that is based on, you know, has the, the science of reading principles. And so some schools are adopting that. And some schools are still doing kind of their own thing. Because right. again, Chicago, like Illinois, schools have a lot of local decision making with how they, what curriculum they choose. They don't have to. And so I think that's the point with the story that I wrote for WBEZ is parents have a lot of power right now yeah. to say, what 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 curriculum? Wait, what are we doing again? And and wait, why are we doing that? And that even just asking that question, I think right now feels really important. Mm-hmm. So when we look at the skyline curriculum, even though there is no uniformed approach in either Illinois or Chicago schools, you know, what are some of the the methods that are used in, in that approach? So in the Skyline curriculum, I think what you're seeing, you are seeing a lot of these relationships between letters and sounds. You're seeing that built into it. The curriculum is so new that the the missing piece, perhaps, is the teacher training. You can have a great curriculum, but if you're not training your teachers and they don't understand the how and the why, is it going to make a difference? And so I think what happened is that this curriculum, Skyline, was rolled out during the pandemic. There was a lot happening. We've asked a lot of our teachers over the past few years. And CPS now is saying, we are putting more effort into training our teachers on this. Do you have a story of a particular teacher you talked to who either was going through confusion or, or you know, going out on their own to try a new curriculum in their school? This is a really important question, and I'm so glad you asked it. I talked to a lot of teachers for my reporting that I've done this year on on reading, and their perspectives are all over the place, which I think is actually really interesting. But I talked to a teacher who is a special education teacher, or they call them diverse learner teachers, um, in Chicago Public Schools, actually at one of the city's top elementary schools. And she had been on her own going through a training program for a curriculum that is based on the science of reading. And she was angry. She was actually angry because she felt like everything I'm learning, like the light bulbs are going on everywhere. And yet to try to get traction on this conversation, both in the school building, both outside of her school building, was really frustrating for her. And I think that that's really important. That's a really important perspective to listen to. She's seeing the difference using these techniques with children who are quote unquote diverse learners who struggle more perhaps than the average child in the classroom. And yet she's not able to get traction on a larger conversation, yet she's seeing it make a difference. You know, with this conversation in trying to happen at large with students across not only Chicago, but Illinois, do you fear that we may end up in a situation where the push for uniformity maybe also sets us back in our ability to address students with uh, different needs? Or do you think this scientific-based approach 
kind of has that built into it, that it already understands that students are, are, are working and starting from different places. I, I think you've hit the nail on the head with what the pushback is. So the pushback is really one of the loudest sorts of criticisms is, you know, kids aren't widgets. They're not going to all behave the same way. They're not going to all respond to something. This is too uniform. This is boring. This takes out some of the learning, the loving to learn to read, which is all so important. These are all things that like are important. And so I think the challenge, one of the big challenges here with this movement is how do you take some of the things we've learned in the past decade about how important it is to teach children to love to read, to have autonomy in the selection of their books, to be able to write Writing, the very important part of reading, and that's something CPS has really has pushed um, consistently um, for, for a long time. And so how do we bring some of these elements in? We're not throwing out the baby with the bathwater here, but how do we bring in some of the things that we've learned, but also bring in these elements of science more consistently, more thoroughly? And to me, that is one of the big questions. Cassie Walker-Burke is an editor with WBEZ and now a friend of CityCast Chicago, if you will accept. I appreciate you joining us today. Thank you for having me. Before I let you go, a little bit of news, y'all. On the heels of his second inauguration this week, Governor J.B. Priska is expected to sign the Protect Illinois Communities Act into law, banning the sale and purchase of military-style weapons and high-capacity magazines in Illinois. 155 hours. No, that's not the sequel to 127 hours. That's how much time the average Chicago driver loses every year playing bumper cars on packed streets and highways. According to a new report, that's the most time sitting in traffic of any other major city, and it's even worse than pre-pandemic. When you're done listening, head over to Hey Chicago already in your inbox for more news, events, and a quick guide to the little village thanks to Carlos Ballesteros. Some good news to get you through. In addition to my own show, Lessons from Granny, this Sunday at 7 p.m., you can enjoy a whole week of great live storytelling and list shows, a part of the 26th annual Filet of Solo Festival in Rogers Park. It kicks off this Friday. Check the show notes for venues, times, performers. Some of the homies going to be in it so you know it's good. I right, seriously, go read or subscribe and read Hey Chicago and email back something nice like, for real, this is the best damn newsletter in the city. And tell Sydney Madden I sent you. I'm going to talk to y'all tomorrow. Peace. As a little kid, I'm just trying to think about what I had. Um, I loved any book about, like, animals. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be a veterinarian. Okay. So I, even in my childhood room now, there's still these books, and my daughter is you know gravitates to them, these books about animals. I loved going to my library and getting books about world records. It was something about reading about the most random people doing the most random things that just appealed to me as a kid. And biographies. I really gravitated towards biographies as a kid of like the people I looked up to 